Hey, this is Gina Marinelli from La Strega. Hey, this is Claudia Andraki with Desert Bloom Eco Farms out in the desert. Hey, it's Chris Decker from Metro Pizza. You're listening to Two Sharp Chefs. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Yay! It's time for another podcast, Lou! Yeah! Um, today, we are talking with someone super fabulous, Poonam Mather, the co-founder of Delivering with Dignity, and we're very excited about that. Before we do that, we're going to start with pandemic provisions. Pandemic provisions. Yes. Yep. And because we are talking with Delivering with Dignity, we're going to talk about takeout and delivery. It's something that, well, most all of us are doing right now instead of just cooking for ourselves because it can become tiresome and sometimes you're lazy and sometimes you don't have access to it or you don't know how. So, Louie, talk to me about takeout. Takeout! Well, very quickly, the history of takeout. Yes. In the 1920s in Los Angeles, California, a certain Kinchu Cafe claimed that they're the only place in the West Coast that's delivering and making real Chinese food. So that's like the uh, first known origin of takeout, the little Chinese takeout box. It's known in our industry as an oyster pail, mm-hmm. and it was originally used to hold oysters sold by street peddlers back in the day. I'm going to talk a little bit about delivery because a lot of us are getting delivery, things delivered to us. And there was an awesome, uh, I should say, survey done by Uber Eats recently um, saying, talking about the most popular takeout items by state, which was actually pretty surprising. Um, So for our state, Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada is where we are right now. And it is the chicken teriyaki bowl. That is the most popular takeout item. Really? Um, From my home state, it's chicken tikka masala, which I'm totally on board with. Um, And then something that was super interesting to me was Pad Thai is the most popular takeout item, or I should say delivery item, in Tennessee, Texas, Michigan, and Kentucky. Like, I was not expecting that in any kind of way. The diversity of food. I love it. After that, right? I was actually pretty surprised about that, the diversity of food. Um, Yes. So we're going to go ahead. And since we're talking about delivery, we're going to move into Delivering with Dignity with Poonam Mather. Today, we are chatting with the co-founder of Delivering with Dignity, Miss Poonam Mather. How are you doing? That's great to be with you, Lorraine. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us. We know you were a very busy woman, so we're really happy that you took this time because we have so much to learn from someone like you. Mm -hmm. We're very excited. Um, Let's go ahead and start with Delivering with Dignity. Uh, The wonderful program, of course, brings high-quality meals to vulnerable families in Las Vegas. And we want to ask you, you know, what does this organization mean to you and just being part of something that's seemingly so beautiful 
Yeah, it's a great question, Lorraine. So I just returned from uh, being a food hero, which is a volunteer driver, which I love to do every once in a while, just because it keeps me on the ground, remembering why we're doing this. Um, I, you know, I don't, anyone listening, I hope that what you end up with, for me, part of the goal of life is to create a highlight reel, right? Right. Absolutely know is that this moment with this project in our community with these people is going to be on my very short list of highlight reel. Um, it's been an honor of my life. I'm not sure I've worked so hard in way too long, and I'm frankly <laughs> too old to be working this hard. However, it's the in a time that is as atrocious and as painful as this one, to then simultaneously be sort of witness to the best of who we are as individuals, as community, as organizations, has just been incredible. And so this little passion project that we launched because our favorite county commissioner told us to, March the 23rd, has now become a thing that's got a life of its own because when the goodness in us sort of marshals and mobilizes to make things better for folks in pain, it, that just is, that catches on. And so we've, we started it here. We're now in Reno Sparks. This week we launched it in Orange County, California. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be other communities yet ahead. Um, so it's been an honor of my life to be able to do this. And then I just get the reminder as I'm out there delivering the doorsteps, the, what it really is, is it's not a big thing. It's not uh, a system or a program. It's actually delivering real food and real hope one by one to people that need both desperately. And it helps out restaurants because it yes. provided jobs, especially during um, the closures and stuff. To be clear, we're making nobody rich. We are not even making people whole or breaking even. But what we did do is provide them a reliable source of revenue Monday through Friday to make payroll at the end of the week to then be qualified under the requirements of their PPP, which simply says if you get money, you got to keep the payroll alive or that becomes a loan, not a grant at the back end. So we were super motivated to, to do what we could to maintain a few jobs. And one of the joys for us has been, it's been over 75,000 meals that we've served since we started in Las Vegas. We've also kept alive 57 restaurant jobs in five partner restaurants during that time. And we're just about as proud of that as anything else. So there's an elegance and a beauty in all of that. That's pretty awesome. You're absolutely right. We talk mm -hmm. so much on this podcast about intention. Yeah. And when you have those positive intentions, you have that love and passion, food just tastes better. It's just it a fact. Does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit more about those food heroes because, you know, they could be, you know, Netflix and chill. They can be doing a lot of other things that people are doing right now. Um, instead, they're getting off their butts. They're getting in their cars. They're, you know, you know, maybe even taking a little bit of a risk by delivering meals and doing something that, you know, other people might not do. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's something weird about when you tell me what I can't do, it makes me want to do it more, right? Interesting. Uh, here comes, I mean, that was true when I was a kid. As soon as my parents said no, I was like, oh yeah, watch. Right? <laughs> Defiance, it is true of us. And so when you know, we find ourselves in a moment where we are mandated to be physically separate from each other, it sort of strengthens the craving for connection, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Correct. We were motivated to try to create a way in which people could be safe with social distancing, with masks. So we didn't want them to take a big risk to get the benefit of connection. Um, but that's what we found. I mean, it takes about 150 food heroes every week. And so these are people that say, yep, I could do Netflix and chill. And instead, I'm going to spend three hours out <laughs> in a 107 degree temperature yeah. because I choose that, right? Right. 
And I right. think there's several reasons. I mean, uh, there's a few that just spring immediately to mind. We've got some amazing students at UNLV who do this. And so as I watch the Black Lives Matter and the peaceful protesters, I get so hopeful about young people taking the streets and fixing it based on the mess that the rest of us have made of it. I see the same thing with our food heroes. We've got a lot of young people mm-hmm. who are choosing to do this when Netflix and chill or the latest game would be a legitimate option. They're out there three days, five days a week. So that's one group, right? The other one that I marvel at, and I'm going to just call her out. We got one food hero who's 79 years young. <gasps> Yeah. And one of our requirements is you cannot be at high risk for COVID. And so she has proven to us that she is not at high risk. She's younger than I am. And I am not 79, right? Some days I But for her, for her, this is a way to stay connected. It's a way to be useful, right? It's a way to deliver a little bit of the love that she's got overflowing in her heart. And so this woman has gotten to know people, like when she talks to them on the phone to say, I'm on my way. She actually like checks in with them, shares a little love, a little hope, helps them with their anxiety and depression. I mean, it's just amazing. She does it five days a week. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What an inspiration. Those are people that we have now dubbed food superheroes. (laughs) Okay. So there's another level now. Well, Poonam, we've got you here and we know that you have been a trainer for many years, a corporate trainer. And that's very exciting to us because we as chefs try our best to be good leaders and you need to be a good leader to be a good chef. You can't just be a boss. And we'd like to ask you how can we in this time, as you kind of mentioned, this is kind of a, you know, it's in the middle of a pandemic and Black Lives Matter movement, all these things that we feel like in some ways we don't have a lot of control over. How can we be good leaders in our kitchens and support the people there? Because they're obviously going through what we're going through as well. Most compelling leaders that have left indelible impressions on my heart are those that cause me, I just became compelled to want to follow them. Mm. It was not a single thing they did. It was really the authenticity with which they showed up. Mm. It was the curiosity that always preceded their conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and it was the fact that they believed and saw things in me that I didn't in myself. And were really awesome about observing those things and then challenging me if I wanted to explore them. And then yeah. also saying to me, like, go hard. And don't worry, if you flop, I got your back. Right. And right. So, the, so as I think back, I mean, I think the answers to all the leadership questions live in our own deck of experience because we've been, all of us have had experiences with powerfully impactful people who were leaders. And so we know what that felt like. And then we've also had the gift of the experience of really bad leaders. Yes. And so we also know what that feels like, right? So for me, the curiosity about how can I be a more effective leader is really about just benefiting from those lessons and wisdom that I've already got and then challenging myself to show up in the ways that were compelling to me. I am now completely convinced that perfection actually doesn't exist. And so the fact that it has for me for years been the only acceptable standard for myself, I set myself in a, up in a position where I was just perpetually falling short in my own mind. Uh-huh. self-criticism that then ensued for me was really destructive between my ears, right? You couldn't have seen it because I played it off, but man, it took a toll between my ears. And so the recognition and acknowledgement that perfection doesn't exist. So end of that story, I don't need to strive for something that is impossible. And now it is for me a daily practice of uh, clarifying my intention 
and then being honest with the person in the mirror as to how my actions aligned. How should we move forward? Um, you know, Louie and I have tried really hard, especially in the last couple months, to share Black stories, to really highlight Black businesses. We're doing what we can. Uh, at least we feel like we are, but it always feels like not enough. So what else can we do to really diversify, to make our kitchens, you know, look more like the rest of the world, to sound like it and to have, you know, a more, more diverse opinions in the kitchen? If you look in your kitchen and there's diversity, there's nothing that's spontaneously going to happen by you declaring it mm-hmm. to make it, right? What's going to happen is that you're going to be insistent in your um, hiring process, to say, I will not even make a decision about filling a position unless there's diversity in that pipeline, in that pool, right? Because if there's no diversity in the pool, you're never going to hire diversity. And if we begin with an assumption that there just aren't qualified people, then we are totally missing the point. Right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That is the pervasive nature of the sort of the, the unconscious biases that we got to work well beyond. Um, and I tell you, the, the, this has been a fascinating month. Um, so that eight minutes and 46 seconds, that was the, the, the video of the murder of George Floyd, I think rocked all of us in a, at a different level. Um, and it did me too. And I did think that I was woke. And if the rest of you could figure it out, we'd be good. Um, I'm doing my part has been what I've always thought. I was the diversity diva of MGM resorts for goodness sakes. <laughs> I love that diversity diva. We're going to call you that. <laughs> professionally, I have um, adopted children and two of them are African-American children. So I've been a parent and a proud one for 22 years. And I was like, I'm woke. I got this. Except for when I watched that eight minutes and 46 seconds, the horror that I could not uh, avoid was the horror that that happened on my watch. Mm. And so either we are completely insignificant and don't matter a whit, which I do not believe, or we have ability to impact. And I'm using my ability to impact, and yet on my watch that happened. That's not specifically my watch. It wasn't specifically your watch, Lorraine, or Louis' watch. It wasn't specifically us in charge. But at some point, we got to own that this is the we that creates this set of conditions. Right. And so, therefore, it happened on our watch. So then I got like, holy cow, I am apparently not as good as I thought I was, right? Because it happened on my watch. So I got really curious. And what I realized about myself was, yes, I value diversity. Yes, I value cultural uniqueness. Yes, I'm super curious about it. I don't don't say I'm colorblind because I think that's boltish, right? It's the trip. Like, I don't fall in the obvious pitfalls. And yet when I got real honest with myself, I could not engage in a meaningful discussion about the long narrative that is the history of the black experience in this country. I could not have had a meaningful discussion about the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, two promises that we made 150 years ago that we've never kept. I couldn't have imagined it. I couldn't have gotten into a discussion about the three different presidents that in the intervening years have actually yet again signed different civil rights legislation to try to keep those same two promises equal under the law and you can vote, right? So it is 150 years worth of practicing bad stuff that creates a set of conditions that is pervasive in every institution, in every aspect of our society, including in me. So here's what it became for me is if I cannot, if I am not educated, if I have not 
learned, if I've not taken the time to familiarize myself with the narrative that is the Black experience, then I don't have that, right? Right. Don't have the knowledge. If I don't have the experience and I don't have the knowledge, the only thing that's left that's guiding me on a daily, day-to-day basis is unconscious bias. Right. And right. that's a really bad place. <laughs> yeah, it's a really bad thing, yeah. And so I was like, holy moly, like I've got two black kids. I should know more about Juneteenth than I do. I thought exactly the same thing. I had to do so much reading in the last couple of weeks. Exactly. I had the basic idea, but that's it. And, and the basic idea. So that's, I think that's true of a lot of us, right? Because we are well-intentioned. We are open-hearted. We are genuinely motivated. And right. yet, absent getting the information, absent information, the default is opinion. Uh, Poonam, we ask people about their dream job a lot here, yet a motivational speaker a lot, which I think is interesting. And so that's what you do. <laughs> We've never had a motivational speaker or a speaker that motivates people. Right. Um, is there any rush like being on stage and having people totally captivated by what you're saying? So here's what I, here's what, here's what I believe. Is there 7.8 billion of us on the planet? No two have exactly the same native gifts. So our job as human beings is to name and claim those native gifts and look for ways every day to express them in the world to make the world a better place. And the three ways in which I measure whether it is a native gift or not, here they are. It is effortless. Okay. I am ex- That's good. I am excellent. And when I do it, I go to sleep with a reminder of why I was born. Yes. Going back to purpose, right? Okay. Yeah. Right? So... I received a lot of detentions in the third grade because I had a lot to say. Right? Yeah. And so Miss Smith was my third grade teacher. And rather than, I mean, I did a lot of detention time with Miss Smith, but I didn't know it was detention. She would say to me, boy, that's a lot of really good information, just not relevant in our math class. <laughs> Why don't you come back at three o'clock and tell me more? So she could have squished me. She could have made right. it positive, but she didn't. Right. right. So the over time what i i don't declare i don't know what it means to be a motivational speaker all i know is that when i have an opportunity to speak to people it is effortless i am excellent and when i go to sleep that night i remind reminded why i'm born i absolutely love that that is the greatest nugget that we've heard ever uh how about this so yes this is your calling Um, The way that I feel like this is my calling, communicating uh, with the experience of being a chef. Uh, How about for those chefs that their calling is just being a chef, being a leader in the kitchen, doing that duty and maybe not speaking, (laughs) which are many of our friends. So how about some secrets that you can maybe share or not so secret things uh, that can make the people you know, the chefs out there, which are most of them, not comfortable speaking. It isn't the polish of the delivery. It's the authenticity of the emotion. As an entrepreneur, as a leader, you just have to do that. So there's certain things that we just got to suck it up and put yeah. on our, and be authentic. Like don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't try to be like others. Just be you. And if you got ums, then fine. As long as it's authentic, we're going to love it. We're going to respond, right? Um, so that's one. The other strategy is... The, there are 7.8 billion of us 
and no two have the same gifts and the same combination. So I'm a huge believer that the things that I really don't want to do and I'm not really naturally good at, that's why I team with folks. Mm. Right? Oh. If, yeah, if there's someone on your team for whom it is effortless, they are excellent and they're reminded why they're born and that thing is speaking or communicating, I'm like, come on, be my B- BFF. Right. Right. Reminds me of aces in the right places. What do you have to show and tell today? So I'm, I don't cook. <laughs> I meant to forget chef. I don't even cook because I'm <laughs> no ability. Um, and my kids will tell you that they've tolerated Uh-oh. <laughs> bad experience, experiments for me. Um, but I don't have a lot of tricks because that would, it would, I would be dangerous. That would be a danger. So the refrigerator is like, that's my favorite thing. It's it's got that half of the front door that opens, it just exposes my milk and my hot sauces. That's my favorite. Like every time I use that tool, I feel so grateful. As cheesy as that sounds. You just said something that really piqued my interest as a chef. Mm -hmm. Um, Hot sauces, you said plural. So Uh. what's your hot sauce? situation when you say hot sauces are we tabasco are we sriracha are we something super unusual what you got there it's about it's almost like a wine pairing for me oh almost like a hot sauce sommelier (laughs) like a hot sauce sommelier so so here are the things that you're going to see in that door right there's okay there's sriracha there's chili paste as in thai chili paste i love that there's going to be at least two different kinds of achars from the homeland, my homeland, India. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, I mean, I use um, achar on uh, mac and cheese. Oh, way to spice it up. And it just changes, <laughs> it gives it all kinds of different dimensions. Yeah. So I must all. try. There's yeah. A, yeah, there's going to be some salsa red, salsa green. Got to have that. Mm-hmm. So those are, I mean, those are the staples. They're going to be in that front section of my fridge that I love so much. Okay, Louie, we're going to go ahead and do On the Fly with Puna Mather. 60 seconds, rapid fire questions. Louie, and... start the timer. Go. Your quarantine comfort food. Mac and cheese. Cat or dog person. Dog. If you had a superpower, what would it be? To fly. What did you want to be in kindergarten? Teacher. Dream place to travel and eat. That I've been or not been? Go ahead and go with not been. Australia. Childhood food craving. Pizza. Best self-care move. A daily walk. Least favorite food. I actually don't have any. Please, <laughs> anything. You really love food. Uh, by themselves. Oh, I, I'll put you onto some good ones. I've got a lot of them. Yeah. Great umami. Okay. Um, most inspiring music. Um, Motown. Motown. What's yeah. your favorite? Anything Aretha. <laughs> like I yeah. love Aretha. Yeah. What haven't you done that you really want to do? Two things, to learn how to play the piano and to get my pilot's license. We haven't heard that. I love it. Last thing, Poonam, we're going to go ahead and have you sell it. You can sell it for delivering with dignity. I want to sell you on you. 
That's what I want okay. to say. Well, okay. Do it. Um, so we are in right now, let me just acknowledge what is true. Worst economy since the Great Depression. Worst true. pandemic since 1918. Worst civil rights crisis of conscience since 150 years or longer. It's bad out here, right? So that's true. And all of that is beyond your bubble space. It is beyond your nose. It is beyond my nose. So be careful because if we lose that relationship and acknowledgement is beyond our nose, it becomes our kryptonite. And at this time, the opportunity is every day to get up and say, that is beyond my nose. Let me reclaim my own superpower. Let me reclaim my intention. Let me re-clarify my purpose. Let me re um, glorify my relationships. Let me repurpose my friendships. Let me, like, that's our superpower, right? And if every one of us simply reclaims on a daily basis our superpower, we will both rise above and beyond this moment, and we will be so much better through it. And so no matter how bad it gets, no matter how overwhelming it is on the outside, the magic that we've got is that instantaneous ability to reclaim our superpower. Um, and we see it, I see acts of heroism all day, every day. And it's not pe because literally people are lunging or jumping over tall buildings. The access superpower I see is in the clients that we're serving at Delivering with Dignity who just get up every morning and say, I maintain hope. Despite all the reasons that I can point to, to justify not, I choose hope, right? And so I would say to you, that's what I'm going to sell is just reclaim your superpower because that's going to be the best hope for you for us, for the community, for the world. The end. Puno, wow. Louie, we're going to need you to be our uh, motivator every single morning. I want to wake up to Poonam's voice right? telling me things. <laughs> Doesn't she have like that soothing, like, yes. God-like voice? The only thing that it's close to is Oprah Winfrey. Like, I have to have Oprah Winfrey in my ear when I'm working out. I listen to freaking Super Soul Conversations, and I'm just like, oh, talk to me, Oprah. Like, that's how I feel right now. So we are very excited and happy to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate and your native gifts, sis. Your time. You. Love it. Thank you so much. Yay. Two sharp chefs in the microphone. Love that. Both of you sharp. Both of you sharp. Thanks for listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week.